I'm Dr. Miriam Smith, and I am the host of Empowering You Nurses show. I'm excited you have accepted this invitation to for a little discourse this morning. I, I know you have been delivering so much to the world. People are excited and you're impacting the world positively as a sobriety person. RJ, can you tell us a little about yourself? Um, thank you for having me on, Miriam. It's always amazing talking with you and uh, you brighten my Likewise. day. So. <laughs> um, Likewise, thank you for that wonderful intro. So I'm RJ Zimmerman. I'm an alcoholic and I have been sober for eight and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, when I would drink at the end of my drinking days, I would say, um, I wouldn't drink often, but every time I drank, I drank all of it. And I say that because I would drink until I would black out and then I would drink some more. And I would basically drink until I passed out is what it was. And if I wanted to have a family, if I wanted to have a life that I could look in the mirror and be okay with the person that I was looking at, something had to change. And the change was giving up alcohol. That is great. That is great. I'm so happy you have, you identified the problem and decide to do something about it. And how have you been feeling since you have made that great decision? Eight and a half years. I know there must be times when you're tempted. I know there must be times you're looking like, wow. Mm. Tell us about that part of it. Yeah, that part is, I'll say it's interesting because, you know, it's, it starts off that first, I would say that first year is really about getting comfortable with other people are going to be able to drink that's okay. Like you shouldn't because you're making this decision for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not making it for anybody else, making it for yourself. And then what it does is it benefits everybody else around you. So in the beginning times, it can be very stressful because what you used to do with stress is you used to have either a date in the future or you'd get home and the alcohol would, you would think would help you with your stress really what it does is it compounds it and it just makes you feel worse. Um, but that first year you learn how you can get a craving and things that you can do to help yourself work through them. Um, something that I do, like, especially in the first year, I highly recommend this anytime you're in a situation where you used to drink, you're with friends that you used to drink with, bring a friend who's a hundred percent with you. They're a hundred percent understand your decision. Don't question it. They're going to be your ally. Right. And that way, if you're having a moment where you think, Oh, I could have just one and I'll be fine. They can help you out. And sometimes the helping out is just leave. Don't say bye to anybody. And you're going to feel bad the first couple of times you do this, but just, you got to leave. You got to get yourself out of that situation. Um, I actually had someone who reached out to me and asked me, they were going to a baseball game and baseball games, especially in Wisconsin, you get hammered. Um, the beer is really not that expensive. Uh, you pregame before and the, you tailgate just like you, you would a college football game and you go in and he was very nervous because he hadn't really gone out and done much before this, but he loves baseball 
really wanted to go with his buddies. And there are a couple tips that I gave him. I said, make sure you have a plan for when you want to drink because you're going to smell it. Those Mm -hmm. smells are going to remind you of what it was like. And you are going to be tempted. Go in knowing you're going to be tempted and understand that your friends, hopefully one of your friends there is going to be all in your corner. And if not, you might have to just leave them for a little bit. And I said, I told them, get some food, get some candy, get something that helps to calm you down. You have that food for me. It's little Debbie's chocolate, sometimes chocolate and peanut butter. And then after that, it's uh walk around, do something. So he actually had a very, um, he had a very deep craving and he walked around the outfield because you can still in the Brewer stadium, you can still see the game while you're walking around the outfield. So he went and walked around the outfield for about 45 minutes. And I was so proud of him and he worked his way through it. And when you're, when you're walking, when you're doing something active, you're thinking about that activity. You're not thinking about trying to not have a drink. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing is trying to get your brain to stop thinking about not having that drink because that's all you're going to fixate on. It doesn't matter what you're looking at in your phone. It doesn't matter what you got to do something to help your brain to get off of that and doing something like taking a walk, like, you know, uh, going for a drive, like, you know, there's so many things, but when you go for a drive, it needs to be on the highway. You can't be driving past liquor stores or bars or anything like that. Right. You need to get somewhere where you're away from everything. And, um, those tips helped him get through the game. And honestly, what sobriety is about, especially in that first year, in that first six months, first two months, first couple days is you get to the next day. It's one day at a time. And it truly is even at eight and a half years, there are weeks, months, periods of time where it's just Empty. one day at a time, get through the day. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know others are out there listening to you this morning, and that's empowering. That's encouraging to that person who has been tempted, who wants to make this change. And I put, say, kudos to you. <laughs> RJ, RJ, that's Thank you. RJ, you know what happens sometimes um, as nurses? And I, I want to say thanks again for coming on this show because there are nurses, young nurses, and there are older nurses, seasoned nurses who have to take care of different types of patients. Now, apart from physical pay, um, care that nurses have to give they have to give some mental care also because you know we have a diverse group of um, patients and they might have physical problems but they also have mental concerns and so in this case the nurse has to be aware of situations like these because here we have patients coming in and they're asking certain questions or they want to go outside and take a drink Although they're there, they might want to take a drink there when you have to educate them and they're going home, they have to be reminded that there are certain medications that interact with alcohol and will be devastating, you know. So it is so important as young nurses and as older nurses, as I said before, be aware of the education of the different patients on regarding their medication and regarding um, seeking support. 
you know, because in your case, look how positive you were to that individual. And likewise, there are many, many out there, multiple individuals who are looking for help and seeking for help. And at the same time, once they're trying, they might meet upon some crucibles or obstacles in the way and they might fall again. Well, what would you say to those who fall, you know, who are falling because, man, they didn't get through it this time? What do you say? Every experience in life is an opportunity to learn. And that opportunity also extends to sobriety and alcohol and any place that you want it to, nursing, right? Any patient that you have, you can learn. That is important. It's important to look at yourself and treat yourself the exact same way you would treat, let's say your job, your, what's important to you, you know, your, your sports team. Let's go there because a lot of people love sports, right? Well, if somebody makes a mistake, there's always the next play, right? If somebody has a really bad game, there's the next game. There's getting better, trying to get um, to a place where you're no longer thinking, but let's say reacting. Uh, you're no longer focusing on what you didn't do, but what you did and you can improve upon. That also exists when it comes to drinking. So if you, let's say you relapse, let's say you have a drink after you hadn't for a long time. And this happens to people at, you know, 10, 15, 20 years sober, people will have a drink because it's always there. It's always there. And society tells us this is a way to, to relax. It's a way to enjoy life. It's a way to have fun. And it's always a learning opportunity. Even if you're tempted and you didn't, there's a learning opportunity that you can take there. Now, it's not the end. It's not the end. It's, it's a part of the journey. And that's really what we're on is a journey. We're, and when, when it, we break down to it as well, like it's a journey to learn about ourselves and not about the bottom of a bottle. Because part of why a lot of us who fall into substance use disorder or addiction, if you want to say that, is that we run away from ourselves. We're nervous about ourselves. And that doesn't go away when you give up that substance. It comes back and it's like tenfold. But accepting that and accepting your emotions and just learning like, for it took a really long time for me to realize I was still looking in the mirror the same way that I did the night after going out and drinking. But I didn't know it because I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking I was doing everything right. Um, it took me thinking about my kids in a different light um, to realize that, oh, I'm actually looking in the mirror the same way that I was back then. Like, that's not okay. Uh, but don't run from your emotions. Don't run from your feelings. You got to go through them because when you walk through the darkness, that meadow, that light on the other side is there, but it's not around. It's not over. It's through. 
that's the hardest, that's the hardest lesson to learn because you have to learn it for yourself. You can hear it. You can hear these cliches. You have to learn it for yourself. And when you learn it, there's not, there's you're. it's not that you're never going to drink again. And it's not that you're ever cured, but there's no going back to, uh, trying to force your emotions away or trying to hide from them or go around them. It, mm-hmm. it helps to, and the, it doesn't give you excuses either, but like it helps explain reasons for why we drank the way we drank, why we went to the substances, why we do all this, the more we learn about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so just really when, when that happens, and it can be a couple of days, can be a month, whenever you're ready to go back, just think back on that time that you slipped back into it, that time that you fell off the wagon, whatever cliche you want to use. And try to think of a what happened there that I can learn from for the next time, because there is going to be a next time that we have that craving, we have those urges eight years in and I had my strongest craving since my year. And a major reason for that is because I am single for the first time since being sober. I've never been single and sober. That's scary. That's really scary. Um, So it's like thinking about, Oh, my kids aren't around nobody's really around who it's going to affect. I can make some bad decisions right now. And it's like, yeah, I could, but then I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to really don't not like the person that I'm looking at, like really a lot. And, um, that, that helps put me in a different mindset. So just really taking stock in yourself. And it's, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this before, but I'll say the saying that I usually say is stopping drinking is the most selfless, selfish decision that you can make. Because when you make it, you have to make it for yourself. It has to be a selfish decision, but it benefits everybody else around you because they get you at your best. Wow. That's a powerful statement there, RJ. I appreciate your your transparency, RJ. Indeed. And it comes to the point where, as you said, you have to be um, selfish in the sense that whatever it is, you are the person. You are, you are the one who have to make that decision. And that decision that you have made is going to impact your family. It's going to impact the world. And this is exactly what you're doing right now. And I really appreciate you for that. Now, as we're coming to the end of this um, discourse, I know for sure that I've had experiences whereby um, individuals have used alcohol and that has caused some pain. Um, And when it causes the pain, it's not only to the family members, but maybe friends and others. Uh, You making this decision to stop, to alleviate as many as this, the situations that surround this sort of, um, say, behavior, we really do appreciate it. And in what ways, because I know families, for example, who because of alcoholism, they have separated. 
or they have gone, they have made some decisions that as you have made the decision now to go this way in this direction, uh, from your experience or maybe a little of it, you want to elaborate how maybe that could affect your family? Do you feel comfortable in saying that? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Absolutely. So, so many times I've had people talk to me, reach out to me, or just have people try to understand um, the mindset of being sober. And a lot of times it's, you know, I asked my significant other, I asked my husband, I asked my father, um, and I'm talking about the male side because that's what I can relate to. But this also applies to women and, you know, the female side it's, um, and, you know, non-binary as well. I'm not going to exclude anyone because I think anyone can, who's, who's deep into, um, their substance that, can relate maybe people who've given up alcohol, but they say, I've, I asked them to give it up for me and they just wouldn't, I wasn't important enough. And especially if it's a parent or a significant other, a spouse, uh, a partner that you were in love with, it hurts, right? It hurts really deep. Like they didn't care enough to give up alcohol, um, for me. And I understand. I can't, I can't tell you that you are important in their life and that it seems like the alcohol or a substance is more important than you. But what it is, is there's an internal fight. There's a struggle that goes inside of us. It's we hate ourselves so much that we don't think we deserve your love, that we are going to make it so that you have to leave us and it is protecting you. And, you know, people might come back and say, well, you know, that's not everybody. And it's like, yeah, you're right. It's not, there are outliers, but for the most part, we don't drink because we like the person we are, you know, what's the biggest thing that happens when we drink, we become more outgoing. Like it drops parts of our brains and makes other parts kind of allowed to come out. We don't, you don't want to alter your mind because you like the person that you are every single night. You know, that's, it's the fight that goes on inside. And it's not, it's not that they couldn't choose you. It's not that they didn't want to. It's that they thought they were doing the right thing by pushing you away and they couldn't fight themselves. And I think that that doesn't end when you give up your substance or your alcohol. Um, it doesn't. I've been fighting it for eight and a half years, sometimes at the very top of my consciousness. And sometimes when I'm sleeping in my dreams, sometimes it's just down in the subconscious and I don't even know what's going on, but it's important to understand that 
it's not that they don't love you and that's hard and you how can you understand that right but when you ask somebody you know it's me or it's that and that is the only thing that's keeping them from killing themselves sometimes sometimes it's the only thing that's keeping them from completely decombusting and you know going on a an absolute just being able to even get out of bed like the fight that goes on inside of us sometimes and i'm talking from a self-loathing perspective like this is you can't explain it and then you get this hubris where if you challenge me if you um you become jaded and if you know the times that i got the most drunk that i made the worst decisions that i did the dumbest things were the times when my parent called me an alcoholic were times when uh my girlfriend told me that i had to either choose them or alcohol were times when um really it was pointed out to me that uh i make i'm making really bad decisions and it's affecting the person that I am. And you know what I did? I showed them really bad decisions. And I was like, I'm going to show you. But what I was really doing was, you know, going deeper into a pit of misery. It's, it's hard. It's hard. But a lot of times when we, want to talk to somebody to try to get them to change. We have to come from a place of, I know that this is hard. I know that you struggle with yourself, but you need this so that you can actually enjoy life. You can enjoy yourself. You can, you deserve my love. You deserve that. And a lot of the times when we say stuff like that, it alleviates fear. It breaks down that, that ego defense, that wall that we put up and we can get through. And that doesn't mean it's going to stick. Like, you know, it wasn't the first time that I tried to go sober, that I was sober. It was a, a seed that was planted that this needs to happen. And then there was finally when it sprung, like, I needed it to spring. I had bouts of mini sobriety, I call it. And that's where I'd go a couple months without drinking. And then I'd be like, oh, I could have one. And next thing you know, I'm $100 deep at the bar. Um, and in Wisconsin, that's expensive. And uh, I don't know how, where I am, how I got there, or where my car is. Hmm. That was deep, OJ, RJ. That was deep. That was deep. Now, as you mentioned, the mindset uh you had to make that decision because in mindset you have you have the fixed mindset and you also have the growth mindset and when you're thinking of the fixed one when you failed and you you could have stayed right there mm-hmm. but the growth one is that you actually identify the problem and you try it again 
and you have been going well. And this is positive. This is truly, really, I mean, highly um, recommended to others as you go along the way that if they should fall at some point, they should pick up again. And how it affects the family and the world at large. And here you are. This is a positive move that you have made. Thinking positive, as you mentioned about the conscious, the conscious and, and the subconscious. Because you are so positively um, leading in this direction, your destination should be, the outcome should be great. Because here it is, whatever you place, that conscious decision that you have made, right? The, the, just remember that the subconscious is just receiving all that you are giving in, as it were, giving in, giving in. And you're, you're the seed and you're planted. The subconscious now is like the garden and you're putting in the seeds, a positive. And that subconscious, because you're poured in so much, that subconscious is supporting you and in a positive way. And I must say, as we close that, this is profound. And I know their patients. I know their patients who are listening. I know that nurses are listening. I know the interprofessional, the interprofessional team, they are listening. Because what? We are a people, we are human beings, and there are certain commonalities that one encounters and they're not alone. Just remember that. And in your case, as I said, we're not only taking care of the physical patient, the diabetes or the cardiac problem, but we are talking about the mental state also, how we're impacting our children, our family, our society at large, because we need soberness, because alcohol does affect and alter our decision-making. status. So as we have come to the end of this segment, I would say, RJ, what is what would be the last few words in a sentence you would want to tell the world to leave with them on I your would, journey? I would say to try to think, how is this going to make me a better person next week? How is this decision going to make me a better person tomorrow? Um, sometimes when I get really upset and angry, because that's something new to me, uh, as a man growing up in the world, you're not supposed to feel right. So when my emotions, this is, I'm, I'm allowing my emotions to happen. And as I'm going through life, a lot of times I want to be petty. And a lot of times I could be angry, but before I make a decision, I send a text message, I send a tweet. Um, whatever it is, I'll stop and I'll ask myself, how is this going to make me a better person? How is this going to make it easier when I need help, when I need a hand? And by stopping and making myself think of this, it makes me delete nine out of 10 times uh, what I was going to send. And that doesn't mean you don't defend yourself. That doesn't mean you don't put up, you know, that, uh, glorious term boundaries, right. And all boundaries are telling someone, Hey, that's disrespectful. 
Can you please be respectful of me as a person? That's really all you're saying. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is when we want to be petty and we want retribution and we want to make somebody else demean somebody else, think, how is this going to make me a better person? And if you do that, maybe it'll stop you from picking up that drink tonight. Maybe it'll stop you from sending a text or just being straight up mean to somebody just because they caught you at the wrong time. And it'll honestly help you as a parent as well. If you think, how is this going to help make my child a better person? Um, RG, thank you for those strong points that you've left the world with. And I'm sure someone will make a positive move. Many, I think, will take heed. It was a pleasure having you on the Empowering You Nurses show today. I just want to let the world know that Empowering You Nurses is hosted by Miriam Smith, DNP, and I can be connected on YouTube at Miriam Amanda Smith, on Podcast Mirror and Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. I'm on Apple also. I am on Apple and other social medias. So you social media. So you can contact me. It's just a pleasure to have you all listening and tuning in this morning. That's RJ Zinnerman and Miriam Smith. It was a pleasure. Do go forward and put into practice what you have learned today. Thank you. Make a comment. Subscribe. Important.